0: Is there any truth to the conspiracy theory that child protective services is not a government organization to protect children, it's actually a front for the shadow people? Guess who came up with guess who came up with that theory? And then it's Prom Night. And while at first glance it may look like a standard ghost story, this one may finally answer the question. When you die, do you get to choose where you hunt? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend... We got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're gonna get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our Christmas livestream contributors. Everyone put on your protective gear, cause in flies B. Woohoo, yeah, come on. Come on, B, fly into Dead Rabbit Command. B, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That's another way you can help the show grow. And then let's go ahead and take a look at today's Fan Art Friday submission. This is from Micah, Patreon supporter Micah. This image is actually from the original Discord that we had years ago when we shut down because people spammed it with diarrhea porn. So, I talk about that in another episode. I don't remember what episode it was. I think it was like a classics episode. But anyways, if, you want, if you're like, well, I want to hear about that story, I'll put it in the show notes. But that was the old. And Micah wasn't behind that. Micah's like, what? Why did I get wrangled into that one? That's why we shut down the old Discord. We have a new Discord for Patreon members. But anyways, <laughs> let's spend less time talking about diarrhea porn and more time admiring this awesome artwork. I love it. I love it so much, so thank you very much, Micah. B, I'm going to go ahead and toss you a little captain's hat. Let's all hop on board the Bunny Battleship. We haven't used this one in a long time. It might actually be new. It might be a new vehicle. B, go ahead and pull this battleship out of Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to sail all the way out to a bad neighborhood. (laughs) <laughs> we've never done a we've never done a buddy battleship. I was like, "What noise is that? What noise does a battleship make?" It's blowing stuff up. We're headed out to a bad neighborhood. We've made it exceedingly worse. Methamphetamine use and the shadow people. There's such a close relationship between these two. Meth psychosis. They say actually isn't. when I say they say meth heads say this. No one else does. But someone who's an aficionado of methamphetamine, they'll go, methpsychosis, it actually allows you to see through the dimensions. It's not that we've stayed up for three days straight. It's not that we have formaldehyde pumping through our veins. It's, it's a superpower. It's a superpower. Watch me fight these five cops at once. We're like, ah. You can see the true reality. You can see through reality when you're on methamphetamines. Now, I'm not saying that as a fact, I'm not saying that's a scientific fact at all, but you will be hard-pressed to find a meth veteran. I mean, maybe a newbie, maybe a newbie's like, I don't believe in all that shadow people stuff, and the people around him as they're passing the pipe, they're like, you will, young man, you will. You can find accounts of these stories all over. I remember at one point on Reddit, I was subscribed to the meth subreddit, because I thought it was funny, because <laughs> I thought it was funny, I was always finding these great stories, But, I had to unsubscribe because I'm also subscribed to all these paranormal subreddits. (laughs) I lost track of who was talking about what. So many people on the meth subreddit talk about things that are just casual paranormal activity. Ghosts and and shadow people and seeing things and paranoia, conspiracy, they're out to get you. Although, in this in this case, you are not being gang-stalked. There's actually gangs stalking them and law enforcement trying to crack down on them. Well, I came across this one. This is a standard title for something in the meth subreddit. It goes, Meth opens a portal to another dimension inhabited by the Shadow People. I wonder, you know, it's funny because, you know, I know of... Paranormal researchers who are like, dude, like you really haven't researched the world around us until you start doing DMT or ayahuasca or drinking a bunch of cough syrup <laughs> or preferably all three at once. I wonder how many, because th- part about being a paranormal researcher is you're constantly pushing the limits. You want to know the unknowable. You want to experience that which no man was meant to experience. I wonder how many people who started off as paranormal researchers started doing meth. Because they're like, this is just, <laughs> this just helping with my research, honey. I can stay up for three days straight. You know how many articles I can read? Plus, I vacuumed. I vacuumed the entire house and the neighbor's house. Well, anyways, in response to this statement that meth opens a portal, and the person who posted that said, I want to hear about your shadow people stories, we're going to meet someone who goes by the handle Inari Nadine Ryka. I'm just going to call you Nadine for short. Nadine is posting on the meth forum. And here's the thing. Every so often, a meth head is right. Everybody can, everyone can guess something eventually. And to be fair, they do spend a lot of time staying up thinking about stuff. Most of the time, it's just how to fix a blender. And how to get a blender in the first place so they can fix it. They know how to improve a blender. They came up with the best blender idea ever. But every so often, you know, I'm not going to say that people who do meth are always wrong. They're right every once in a while, just like all of us. Nadine tells this story. Nadine goes, listen, it was 1130 in the morning one day. It was a Tuesday. And I was walking through a bad part of town with a friend. Now, I wasn't familiar with this part of town. I'm not normally out (laughs) here. I'm an upstanding citizen. I usually go to church five days a week. But this particular day, I was high on meth. At (laughs) 11.30 in the morning on a Tuesday, I'm walking through this neighborhood with my buddy. And walking towards us is a little boy in a school uniform, and he's wearing a backpack. Now, this kid was about five or six years old, and using meth mathematics, I was able to figure out, wait a second, how was a kid that young, walking down the street, At 11.30 a.m. on a Tuesday. This kid should be in school. He definitely has on a school uniform. Why isn't he in school? So Nadine looks around and she realizes there's no bus stops in the area. the, The processing power of Nadine fueled by meth I am quite envious of. She sees this little boy walking down the street. She scans the area. There's no bus stops around. And there's definitely no school bus stops around. So how did this kid get here at 11.30 in the morning on a Tuesday with no school buses around? But he wasn't alone. His little boy wasn't alone. He was with an adult. He was with an adult man. So you may think, dad, uncle, baseball coach, bus driver, bus driver, he's looking for his bus. He's like, where did I put it, kid? You were the last one on it. But something else, something else sparked off in Nadine's mind that made her highly suspicious of this duo walking towards them she said that they were not and she goes i'm not racist I'm not racist but they were not color related i think that she's implying or basically saying one is black and one is white and that makes her suspicious but she's not racist <laughs> she's not racist But she did find it suspicious that at 11.30 on a Tuesday morning, walking in this not very good neighborhood, is a five-year-old boy in a school uniform, but no school buses around, and an adult who is not color-related to him. Makes her very, very suspicious. And she begins to feel like something is wrong here. So she turns to her friend. Now, and you, let's do a little interlude here. You may go, Jason, that actually is kind of suspicious. I always look to make sure people are color-related. It The is suspicious. The kids not forget the color-related part, but other, the rest of it is suspicious. Even if they're both the same race, it is weird. What are they doing out here? Walking through this bad neighborhood. Fine. We can have that discussion. We can come over to my house at 3 in the morning. We'll smoke a little bit. And we'll talk about it for 18 hours. But to let us know what... Okay, so remember, she's with her friend. When she turns to her friend and goes, I think there's something suspicious about that. Her friend, who knows Nadine very well, says, Just shut up, shut up. What are you talking about, you big weirdo? He goes, mind your own business. Just mind your own business. So the two groups pass each other. Nadine and her friend... And the non color related duo, they just walk past each other. Well, it's only about 30 seconds that Nadine is now past this kid and this adult, and she's really freaking out. She's having basically a full on panic attack because she realizes that kid is probably in danger. And she says, I wanted to chase them, I wanted to chase them. But I wouldn't grab the kid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't startle them. I would just run full speed towards two strangers. But she goes, listen, I wouldn't run up and like grab the kid or start screaming. I would simply ask if everything was okay. I'd look at the boy. Look at the adult. Look at the boy again to make sure that they're not the same color. And then I would say, is everything okay? And if it's nothing, it's nothing. But if it's something... I love this quote. I love this quote that she left. You're like, Jason, when are we get into the shadow people? <laughs> You're all waiting for a paranormal story. You're like, oh man, is he tricking us? She has this quote. She goes, oh, this is worrying. If you want to do methamphetamines, like I'm not an advocate of it. I've seen it destroy people. It landed my cousin in prison for murder. Not a fan of methamphetamines, but it could always be worse, <laughs> it could always be worse right? Let me read this quote to you. Personally, as a mother myself... So then I'm wondering, like, so where are her kids at? Maybe her kids are on a school bus going to school. It's 1130 a Tuesday. A mother, a mother, uh, anyway. Think about it this way. She's using her free time to either walk around bad neighborhoods or post on Reddit. Both are equally horrifying. Personally, as a mother myself, that would not bother me. As long as you don't reach for my child, pull out a weapon of any kind, or come too close than someone asking if everything is okay, that would not offend me anger me or cause me to do anything other than let my happy-go-lucky toddler... Oh, so she does... I was wondering how old this kid was. My She has a toddler at home. <laughs> She's walking around this bad neighborhood. She actually goes, oh yeah, my toddler's strapped to my back right now. Then let my happy-go-lucky toddler answer for himself, "I don't believe that for an instant. I believe that shadow people exist. I do not believe if you walked up to this woman with her toddler and you go, "Is everything okay?" she would claw your eyes out. she one hundred percent would claw your eyes out. No parent would put up with that. I don't think, especially if they think you if you thought something untoward them is that that's a word right? Something that was bad about them. I don't think you wouldn't be like, oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, no, I'm not kidnapping this kid. See, we're the same color. And they're like, oh, okay. I think that you would, I think most parents would get offended. (laughs) I think if the parent was a habitual meth user, they're most likely to get offended. But anyways, she says, listen, if someone came up to me and asked me if me and the toddler were okay, I would be totally fine with that. If they asked me where my toddler was right now, I don't have the answer for that. But um, I'm sure he's doing fine. So she decides, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to just ask if everything's okay. Now, remember, this whole thought process is only taking 30 seconds. And in that time, she also reinvented the envelope and discovered a new way to build a bicycle. But she turns around. They're gone. The man and the kid are gone at that point, Nadine completely panics. She realizes that something bad is going to happen to this kid. She throws her backpack to the ground. Hopefully the toddler wasn't in there. And she takes off running. She turns around the corner. They're nowhere to be seen. She believes so heavily that something bad's going to happen to this kid. She begins knocking on random doors. In this neighborhood. She said she knocked on every door within a thousand foot radius. Then she says that was only three doors. I don't know if this isn't like a rural part of the country. Thousand foot radius. She knocked on three doors. One didn't answer. One only spoke Spanish. And she goes, I only know how to say pants, dog, and milk in Spanish. Which I don't know. I don't know how to say that in Spanish. She has a leg up on me, but at what point in her meth infused life did she go, okay, at some point, (laughs) at some point, some Spanish guy may ask me about milk. Uh, Leche. Actually, I do know that word, leche. Anyways, and she said she also knew a sales pitch that she had practiced in Spanish. Again, why? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know any of these details. Finally, when she knocks on the third door, a woman and a child open the door and. Nadine starts going, hey, have you guys seen anyone in this neighborhood? An adult and a little kid, their colors don't match, their colors don't match. (laughs) And the person at the door is like, I don't know anyone in this neighborhood that matches that description. There's no other kids on the block. And then I can only assume the woman quickly shut the door and bolted it. And this story ends with Nadine walking away and saying... She was always going to hate herself, because had she not waited 30 seconds, had she reacted the way that she should have originally, running around the neighborhood yelling at people who don't match colors, maybe she could have spared this kid some torment. So while that might be the end of Nadine's incredibly eventful Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday mid-morning adventure, and I'm sure that she had many more crazy stories that happened just that day, she does come up with two really good theories. Well, let me rephrase that. She comes up with one really good theory and one insane theory. Let's tackle the insane one first. Is it possible that Child Protective Services is a front organization for the shadow people? And that's pretty much what it is. You know, the shadow people in meth mythology, mythology, they make you hallucinate and you hear voices and they can control your mind. That's not what a shadow man typically known for. My interactions with shadow men have been very observational. Like they don't even care that you're there. I imagine it's kind of like what it must be like for a fox to notice a trail cam. Can't really comprehend it. it. It realizes something's there that shouldn't be. In that situation, we're the fox. the When I ran into Shadow People, I'll put the episodes in the show notes, but they're just so alien and so obtuse to the fact that we're even standing there. It's, it's super fascinating. But in the meth world, they're more demonic. They're evil. In my experience, I, they're neither good nor evil. They're just there. They move. I mean... They're not just like <laughs> not just my shadow. I haven't been tricked. They're definitely something, but they are kind of stand beyond good and evil. Anyways, is it possible that the CPS, who I can only heartbreakingly imagine, if Nadine hasn't had interactions with them before, it's coming right. That would make sense. You would see Child Protective Services as this faceless organization trying to steal your kids. You're a good mom. That's what they're telling themselves. You're doing your best. And then this faceless organization comes in. Is it actually run by the shadow people? Is this a group that, while the people may appear human, when they take the kid, it's delivered to a darker supervisor? Not, not because they're not color-related. I didn't mean like that. I meant like a demonic force. A shadow man. That's that's poppycock. It's a great story idea. I do love it from that angle. But I don't believe that... I, I will officially go on record. I do not believe Child Protective Services is run by the Shadow People. She did have a super interesting theory, though, which I love. This one really kind of kind of messes with your head. She wonders if other people see her... As a shadow person. That's weird. I don't think I've heard that before. I've heard stories or theories that... Shadow people are an alternate reality... Kind of laid over on top of ours. And there are certain times... Or certain places... Or certain mind states... Where you can actually perceive... Through that wall. You know what? That I didn't think about this. I did not think about this... Until I started saying it out loud. That could be why... The normal Shadow Man experience is more like mine. Where they're just there. Sometimes they're a little more sneaky. Where they're like hiding behind a couch. Poking their head out down a hallway. Sometimes they're just walking through the house like they own it. Sometimes they're walking through the house like it doesn't exist. They're just walking through the walls. Sometimes you wake up and they're standing at the edge of your bed. Sometimes when you look at the stories of the Hat Man, which is basically a Shadow Man with a fedora... He tends to be a little more of a menacing figure, but again, it's not like he's picking you up and throwing you out the window. It's not like you're sitting there and you're playing video games and he's unplugging your controller. He's just scary. He has a scary presence about him. However, so that's the normal experience with shadow people. The meth head experience with shadow people is they are very diabolical. They are out to hurt you and make you hurt others. They're out there to torment you. What if, I never thought of this, really, it wasn't until I was saying all this. What if Nadine is right in the sense that when a normal person sees a shadow person, they are seeing a shaded reality of the reality they inhabit, which, you know, I'm not saying everyone's life is perfect by any means. No one's is. But I don't pick in my arm to try to get the spider eggs out. If you have someone who lives in a chaotic environment, their shadow people would be chaotic and evil as well. That's interesting. I, I've i never thought of that before. Because you do have... It would be the same thing as if two people owned... A fishbowl full of goldfish. But one person, the fish just kind of swam around normally. The other person's fishbowl, they were cannibals. And they were eating each other's feet in a meth. You're like, oh no, I ran out of fish food. Here, have this instead. You, it's the same creature. It's the same experience. But the experiencer is changing the observation. That's super weird. I, I hadn't thought about that before. I, I originally was just going to talk a little bit about how maybe people do see her as a shadow person. And how you would have basically two realities sitting on top of each other. But I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think that it may be the observer changing the observed. Super interesting. Because again, the experience that is normal shadow people is, is that they are not making you hallucinate. They're not telling you to do evil things. But to a meth head, that is how they experience them. But to someone who's not on meth, they're just a weird force. Again, they're creepy. They are creepy, but they're not crawling on your ceilings and throwing up black blood. And then you realize it's just a hallucination. And your new blender that she designs is a success, but now you no longer have a left hand. That's not what we see in normal Shadow People story. So I'm going to actually look more into that. That'll be really interesting to see. <laughs> I'm like, i got to try meth now. That's it, guys. <laughs> i got to go deep into this rabbit hole. bi am going to go ahead and toss the keys to the Carbinter Copter. Let's leave behind this neighborhood. Make sure that Nadine is not stolen anything out of the carbon Copter while it briefly lands and we load on board. Fly us all the way out, too. California, which actually may have been (laughs) where that first story took place. Specifically, we're headed to Santa Fe Springs, California. B, fly this carbonicopter over right there, right there. I'm pointing at St. Paul High School off of Greenleaf Avenue. Land on their roof. Womp, 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 womp. We're walking around, it's just a normal high school. Kids are playing basketball, squeaky shoes. Bon, bon. Good shot, Jerry. Thanks, man, I've been practicing. Then we walk past the library, there's a bunch of people writing stuff down. Hey, good sentence, Jerry. <laughs> thanks, thanks, I've been practicing. Shh. Then we walk out to the football field. And we sit on the bleachers until the sun sets. I guess we could have shown up, we could have shown up eight hours later, but I wanted to walk around school. We're sitting on the bleachers at this football field at St. Paul High School. The sun sets, the moon rises, and we're just kind of sitting there. And then all of a sudden you hear a... ho hot, go, yeah, get the ball. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Uh, uh, touchdown! Good, good call, guys. It's really... <laughs> You're like Jason, how are you going to do this for? I do out a whole, I do out a whole four quarters of a football game. What you just experienced, what you just experienced, was the ghostly sounds of a football team practicing. That wasn't an actual game. I know the audio, the 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 audio of the mind that I just did had you really feel like you were in an actual game, but no, that was a trick. It's just one football team practicing. You can hear them late at night. You sit at the football field. It's interesting. That's not, the whole, <laughs> that's not the whole story. I just want to do this little aside. Haunted football teams, haunted basketball teams practicing. That is such a common ghost story. I don't know why. On the one hand, I, I guess obviously because it's easy to make up. <laughs> for like You have to be at the football field at 3 in the morning, but obviously there's going to be security or janitor there. I think the other thing is, I do believe if it if these stories, or at least some of them, are real, when you have young people practicing sports knowing that this game may help them get into college or they may not even be going to college, this is this young man or this young team's last time they're going to play together, and then they're all going to go their separate ways and work at car dealerships or become computer programmers or fathers and whatever... I do believe that young people are capable of expelling massive amounts of emotional energy. So it could be why we see a lot, and especially if this is being done over and over and over again for 30, 40 years. This school was founded in the 50s. It's very possible that you could have some psychic residue there. That is the game, or just multiple teams, kind of that energy forever. I don't think there's an actual football team haunting the football field. I think it's just that emotional energy of those practices. That's not the main reason why we're here, because I see those stories everywhere. That's very, very common haunting. That is about as common as a ghost at a theater. Like someone fell from the rafters and died, or someone hung themselves or died. Someone shot themselves backstage and died, and they're still haunting the theater. Very, very common ghost stories. That's not why we're here. Let's go to Building 100. Building 100 is haunted by two ghosts. It's prom night. Boo, 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 -boo, a bunch of young kids. (laughs) High school, high school kids, right? Age appropriate. Someone's like, hey, look at at this five-year-old kid. I found him downtown in a bad neighborhood. He's, He's my prom date. We're watching all these young people dance in their prom clothes. And we see a couple teachers kind of swaying side to side in the shadows. Typical high school prom And then we hear a scream echo through Building 100. Ah! And everyone goes running down the hallways and they find a young girl freaking out. And she sees her boyfriend hanging. So here we have a story of a suicide, young suicide, these things. We see a lot of ghostly activity associated with these. And Building 100 is haunted by this boy who hung himself. And you can still see his ghost to this day. He's wearing his tuxedo. He's like, oh no, I'm supposed to return it the next day. This is his rental. He's walking around Building 100 forever trapped at the school he killed himself at. Tragic story. Might be made up. Might just be an urban legend. Might be a real haunting. This is what's tricky about this. We know the boy, I mean, again, if this story's true, it could totally be made up. I couldn't find many references to it. This boy hangs himself on prom night, and now he's forever trapped there wearing his tux, walking around building 100. But he's not alone. His date. His date is also in the building with him. And she's wearing her prom dress. And together they haunt the hallways and empty classrooms of Building 100. But she didn't die that night. She didn't even die at the school. So why is her ghost there? Now, again, story could be made up. I wasn't able to prove that any of these events even happened. I wasn't able to verify that a kid hung himself on prom night or anything like that. Whether or not this story is true, let's throw on our conspiracy caps to wrap this up, because we do see other stories that are kind of similar to this, where you have a ghost of a person who did not die in the area haunting that area. Now, sometimes it's the fact you could go like James Madison. He died over off of Gettysburg Avenue, but his ghost haunts his house. That wouldn't make sense, because you're going back to where you're most comfortable. But is it possible that you don't necessarily have a choice of where you haunt? So here's my theory, is that the boy did hang himself. And the girl went on to live a full life. But when she died, why does her ghost end back up here? It could be something like Titanic. (laughs) I'm going to reference a fictional movie. It could be, remember that movie? Spoiler alert. When the Titanic sinks and Jack drowns, Rose went on to live a full life. And became, like, an airline pilot and a machinist and a scientist and did all these things with her life. And then at the end, she dies, and her ghost is young at the bottom of the ocean with Jack. And everyone else trapped on the Titanic. Which actually is kind of weird, because at the end of Titanic, when Rose... <laughs> it's not like it's a documentary or anything like that, but think about it, Rose died she did all that great stuff and then she had a bunch of kids and then she died and she is now haunting the titanic but they showed like a ghost in a captain's uniform and they showed like a ghost maid standing there like what are they doing for eternity like now yeah fine you're on the titanic that's pretty nice but the maid is like oh this sucks i'm a maid forever i'm constantly like cleaning people's sheets you always got to get the ectoplasm out slimer's running around eating the buffet every day you're like oh man like, what, that, are they trapped? I <laughs> should stop talking about Titanic and get back to this. It's possible that it was the Titanic effect, is what I'm calling it now, is you go back to your happiest memory. And maybe she truly did love this guy, and he hung himself, and she never got over the heartbreak. Even though this girl also went on to become an airplane pilot and a mechanic and a scientist. When she died, she came back to the high school, and now they walk the halls together. That's possibility one, and that's the good possibility. But I'm wondering, because we see this happen as well. This isn't the first time we've covered something like this. Is it possible that when this young man hung himself, he trapped her spirit there? So she went on and lived a full life, but when she died, she didn't go back to where she was happiest. She was dragged back. She was dragged back there by the boy's anguish and pain and sorrow and possibly even hatred. And she's trapped there walking through this school with a man who hung himself on prom night. Because it is interesting, we do see versions of this where people are killed and their ghosts haunt that area. And then we will also see the ghost of the murderer who didn't die there. They never caught the guy, he ran off. The ghost of the murderer is there as well. So why is his spirit there? Is it possible that when you die, the darkness and the evil can actually summon you back to not the place where you're the most happy, but the place that will hurt you the most? James Madison's all I hate in this house! This is the worst house ever! I wish I'd died on the Titanic. Is it possible that that, I mean, what makes that so terrifying is imagine if you did have like a serial killer or just a regular killer. Your next door neighbor blows your brains out because you're running the lawnmower at six in the morning. And then you figure, okay, I'm going to be haunting my house. I'll sit down. I'll watch ESPN. No biggie. But then you find out you're trapped in your neighbor's house. And he doesn't even even have cable. He doesn't even have internet. You're like, oh, this is truly suffering. You're just this ghost sitting there. And it's a television set that has three channels. Is that possible? Because we do see examples of it. That's what's so scary about it. Is it possible that souls can be dragged back? I guess the third option is... It may be his ghost, and it's her psychic residue. It's her suffering of watching this young man, this man that she brought as a date to the prom. I don't know if they are like long-term boyfriend and girlfriend, or if, you know, they. this is their first date. <laughs> it be a bad first date. Sorry, bud, you're not going to have a second date. He left a really bad impression. Could it just be her psychic residue, like, flooding the area? So it's not her, but an image of her, an impression of her, the real her that died, either passed on, or is haunting somewhere else, because again, going back to the James Madison thing, sometimes when we see with these big figures, they'll haunt multiple locations, at the same time, so it could be that, it could be that ghosts don't exist, and all these stories are made up, but I don't think so, I think ghosts do exist, it could also be though, that it's impressions of them all around, They, they didn't just have one place they loved, they had multiple places they loved. But you know, again, at the end of the day, we don't know what we if if this story is true, one person died, but two ghosts exist. And the other person died at some point, she would have been older, she would have moved on with her life. But why is her ghost in this building? And is it possible that it's either just an impression, which would be okay, it's not the real her. Or she chose to go back there because that was her true love and she was always heartbroken that he killed himself and now they can spend eternity together in a haunted high school. Or is it possible that when he hung himself, he doomed her to walk those halls with him forever, whether she liked it or not? And if that's the case, we got to look at all these other stories of serial killers and Horrible people brutally destroying lives left and right. When they die, when those killers die, are they trapped in their own hell? Or are they surrounded by the souls of those they slaughtered? Living like a king on a throne made of torment. And having dominion over their innocent victims until the end of time. deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio tiktok is at deadrabbitradio deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day i'm glad you listened to it today have a great weekend guys